Jewish audio on Chabad.org. We weren't religious. Um, I also didn't have so much uh, knowledge in Judaism at all. Um, I knew I was Jewish and I knew that meant, you know, that I was different in certain ways and I knew that our, our history was different, but I don't think I really connected to it. Um, especially growing up, I just always wanted to be, I never wanted to feel excluded. I always wanted to feel, you know, like just the same as everybody else and kind of like fit in. Okay, welcome everybody. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. I'm Chana Weisberg, host of this podcast. Today I'm joined by Naomi, Nicole Naomi Rubenstein. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from down from Costa Rica. Um, Costa Rica. Hi, thank you for having me. How far, what's what's the place again called where you are? Tamarindo. Tamarindo, okay. And how far is that from Costa Rica? It's in Costa Rica. It's in Costa Rica from it's San Jose. Four hour drive from San Jose. San, okay, most of us know San Jose. And I understand it's a gorgeous place down there. Yeah, it really is. Um, actually, we have a lot of American tourists coming in here and not San Jose just because the beaches are all here and the jungles and the monkeys. And... Oh, wow. So beautiful. Yeah. 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 I, I was in Costa Rica many years ago, but and it was gorgeous. The, the, the rainforest and all that. It was really pretty. Yeah. So we love it. Yeah. I found it interesting. You know, we were just talking before and Nomi, you said you didn't find anything interesting about your story, but I found your story so fascinating. And I found so many people who have such interesting stories just don't think their stories are so extraordinary, but they really are. So tell, <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself. Tell us a little about your background and about your interesting story, how you really came kind of full circle around to, to, your life kind of evolved in a way that became full circle, but then you also had a lot of twists along the way and some twists and turns that were difficult and challenging along the way. Right. So tell us a little about yourself. Um, I guess I, I told you, right. I guess we were, ju- I was just living and suddenly I realized, um, okay, this is, this is something else. Like we really, um, I'm going through some things and I think, uh, one of the best ways of dealing with these kinds of things is just, trying to help other people and trying to inspire other people. And um, I guess using your challenge as a way to like elevate yourselves and elevate others. And especially during these hard times um, and with everything I've been going through, I felt like it was a, a good time to, to speak my voice and to share my story. So. So start I, from the beginning, start from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born, <laughs> I was born in Venezuela Um and I moved to Costa Rica when I was five with my family, and um, we weren't religious. Um, I also didn't have so much uh, knowledge in Judaism at all. Um, I knew I was Jewish, and I knew that meant you know that I was different in certain ways, and I knew that our, our history was different, but I don't think I really connected to it, um, especially growing up. I just always wanted to be... I never wanted to feel excluded. I always wanted to feel, you know, like just the same as everybody else and kind of like fit in. And, you know, um, as a young kid, you're not doing anything to try to stand out or, or be different from anyone else. At least not, you know, something that you don't have any control over or right. And um, 
And so usually I, we don't want to fit. We don't want to stand out, right? We don't so want to stand wanna... out. No. So I never really spoke about being Jewish. I never really brought it up. But I knew. So my friends knew and people knew. And it just kept coming up throughout my childhood. Like I have all these like small memories of things that, you know, kids said to me about, you know, whatever. I, I, I gave the example about uh, learning about the Holocaust and, you know, having the whole class just look at me and like, mm. and at that moment realizing like, oh, wow, like, you know, like, I'm different. This is, you know, it was so scary. Like, I never, I never really wanted to be in that place. But, you know, that's how I grew up. I went to a non-Jewish school. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that. And um, all my friends were not Jewish. I didn't have a single Jewish friend growing up. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of like how I, that's, that's so- why I knew it in San Jose. Costa Rica going to my normal school being like everybody else Jewish but not actually really um traditional at all um so so a little different from everybody but not really realizing why you're different or what's different about you right right? yeah (laughs) yeah like why why do people notice this like it's not like you know it's not like we're in a time that like you you have to like tell people that you're Jewish I mean we have times in history where people we're walking around with like David stars on their shirts. Like you knew that we're Jewish. Like at this point in my life, like why am I different? Why is it so special about me that everybody keeps bringing this up? But so I, I guess because people were constantly bringing it up, I constantly try to like make it look less than what it actually was. Like I feel mm-hmm. like maybe if nobody had brought it up, I would have felt more comfortable with it. But because it was like interesting. So interesting. then at some point, I mean. My parents, they always, you know, they didn't grow up religious. They grew up definitely more traditional than what I was raised. But um, I guess in regards, they they really, really wanted to come back and they really wanted to um, start being more traditional and, you know, you know, connect more with their uh, Jewish roots and traditions and everything. And I, I, when I was 11, um, this is like, the point in which we started going to the Chabad Shul. My parents, you know, they, they, they met the, uh, Rabbi Spalter, who's the Shliach, and, and his wife, Hannah. And so they, there's Shluchim there in Costa Rica. So at that point, you were living in San Jose? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I grew mm-hmm. up in San Jose. And um, so they met the Shluchim and they started, I guess, going in this Chuva journey, you know, going, um, how do you say Chuva? Like returning, and, returning to their returning, heritage. you know, trying okay. to uh, learn more about Judaism and become more religious, keep Shabbos, kosher, all these things that like didn't make sense to me. Like also, like I just felt like religion was more of like just having certain holidays and that was it. Like Judaism is it's it's your whole life. It's like it goes down, you know, from the top of your head to the bottom of your shoes. Like it's everything. So. I, I I just couldn't understand what was going on. Everything was changing. And because I was 11 years old, my brother was seven years old or so. Um, they put him already in a Chabad school. And the Chabad school at the time, um, it only got up to a certain grade. Like, they didn't have my grade already. Um, so I couldn't go into Chabad school anyways. But I didn't want to because I was already sure. 11, about to be a teen. And, like, I could not. Right. I wasn't right. getting that change at that point. And my parents, they were super understanding never pushed me to do anything that i didn't want to do um which was obviously very smart of them and very mature but also very hard i mean my my mom i thought they had a very hard time um 
you know, because at the same time as they're trying to connect more and be more spiritual and try to bring God into their lives more, I'm like, you know, I... Only in the other direction. Right, completely. And, you know, I and my friends were not Jewish. I wasn't really... uh, We were going to Shul, but I guess... I guess I wasn't really connecting, um, not because anything was being done wrong. I was just at that point in my life, I was 11, 12, 13. I mean, it's like... Like Teenagers aren't so interested, right? No. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure there was like so much change going on in your, in your, at home. And you were like, what's going on here? (laughs) I know. Like whatever was going on in school was more interesting, I guess, than going to school. And, um, Also, just in general, the way I was dressing at that point was not obviously, I don't know, I didn't look religious at all in my family. You know, they already started moving in that direction as well. Um, So we started going to Shul. At first, we used to go by car, and then we moved closer to Shul so that we could walk. And I I would wear skirts to Shul, but I never, you know, I was terrified that someone would see me. Like, it's so funny (laughs) to say, no, like, who cares? But, like, I didn't want people to see me wearing a skirt. Like, it just felt... It felt so wrong. I remember one time my birthday, um, my parents organized a surprise party and it was on Chavez and my friends came and I was wearing a skirt. Um, and when they saw me, like they jumped up, they're like, surprise, and I'm wearing a skirt. I went there and I changed the pants them and I did like, now we can have a party. I'm like, right. I just felt like it was too different also having my non-Jewish friends that I could do, which is like, you know, doing all the, Right, two different worlds. Sure. I felt like I didn't want them to feel like I was weird, you know? Right, right. That's so uh, common. Yeah. So normal for a a teenager not to feel that way. Right. Um, So that's why my parents, I think, were very understanding and they never pushed me, even though, you know, my mom and dad, they they, they, they wanted me to. And they they obviously, they prayed to Hashem that I should uh, go in the right direction, but they never never forced me to do anything and also the rabbi and the rabbitson you know they were very understanding very accepting and um mm. so when we started going to show on shabbos are, um, are you the oldest in your family i am you are okay and so, um so you started going to show on shabbat and so i said i used to put my phone on in the bathroom stall and then you know <laughs> Everyone, because I didn't want to take it out, you know, and show like I knew it wasn't respectful. So I would, you know, if I wanted to check my phone, if I got bored, I would go, whatever. And then at some point, um, I felt like it also wasn't right. Like it just felt like disrespectful as well. So I said, you know what, might as well, if I'm not going to be in during the davening, you know, during the prayer, so might as well just go read something. So there was like this little room. Now the Chabad house in San Jose is like, it's huge and they have a beautiful show. And then it was like a little house. It was homey. It was amazing. They had this little room with like all these like books. Um, and so I found this book with like stories of the rabbit. And and I read this story. I'm pretty sure it's the story. I, I don't remember exactly, but I know it's the story that there was this Jew living in the town. Like it was a very isolated town and they, there were no other Jews. He didn't have a community. He felt lonely. I think he might have survived the Holocaust. I'm not even sure. But, you know, he just prayed to Hashem, prayed to God that he should find another Jew or else he would just, you know, become like everybody else. And he would become a, uh, a Gentile or something like that. I mean, I don't remember exactly the storyline, but I know that, you know, the next day, um, 
a Chabadnik, a, a Lubavitcher uh, rabbi, knocks on his door and brings him matzah and tells him it's Pesach, and the Lubavitcher rabbi sent me here to find you, and I've been looking for you everywhere, and, you know, this man didn't even know who the rabbi was, and he didn't know who this man was, but he was, you know, so surprised, and just his neshama calling out for Hashem, and the rabbi just making those connections in the world, I suddenly realized, and, and I had that, on that same day, I had this realization that, you know, what the shluchim are doing, they're doing for me, and that the Rebbe maybe thought about me. That he definitely thought about me when sending Rabbi Spalter and his wife and his family here. So they left everything they knew to come find me. Not just me and just everybody else they've inspired. And and, and then, um, you know, but, but, but at that moment, I realized that this was something else that I, that I felt deeply connected with. I knew that you couldn't find something, such a thing in any other religion. Um, mm-hmm. Like I felt like this was something very special that, you know, like I felt like we were all one in the Shema and I felt very connected to the Rebbe and I really love the Rebbe. I still love the Rebbe. But... Right. <laughs> and, and that I love the Shluchim and that I love their, their, their devotion and dedication. Yeah. And, and so we moved to Israel when I was uh, around 14 years old. Hmm. Well, that's a lot of change. A lot of change going on <laughs> in your life. Yeah. <laughs> What, why did your parents move to Israel? They just needed to um, move there. I, I guess they realized it was, uh, you know, the, what they had to do for our family, you know, if they wanted to right. continue with this track. And, um, sure. Um, you know, I had my bat mitzvah. I forgot to say I had my bat mitzvah in, in Costa Rica. And mm-hmm. that's the name Naomi uh, was given to me. I was born only oh. Nicole. Nicole. And then so now that's when you became Naomi. That's when I became Nicole Naomi. Yeah. Thank you. I never let go of Nicole because I feel like they both represent like who I am, like Nicole and Naomi. So right. people ask me to say Nicole and Naomi, but um, anyway, so when, when we came to Israel, I started going to an all girls school. Um, and that's when I kind of realized because this wasn't a Chabad school. Um, it was, you know, the girls there were very easygoing like they were more like modern orthodox rather than like Lubavitch mm-hmm. and so and so I felt at that point that like you know Judaism is like a spectrum and like I didn't mm-hmm. have to jump from being who I was at that point to being like Chabad like or a Shluch- mm-hmm. you know it could take time and I could you know pass all these different um stops in the way and uh, grow and, 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 and get closer, you know, at, at my own pace. And that's what I started doing. That's when I really opened up to learning more, understanding more. And that's when I really started uh, keeping Shabbos, kosher. Um, and so it was kind of like a gradual path. It was right. a little bit at a time, slowly learning right. and slowly opening yourself up and to it. Parents were obviously very happy. Um, I was very open with them. You know, we have, you know, I just want to say that we have, the best relationship like it's never been um it was always very easy going and uh even though they had their ways and i had my ways and you know we met in the middle but i guess um up until that point it was always just the same love and the same uh, connection and so um when i got to 12th grade and i basically had to decide what my next step would be um at this point, you know, everyone in school already knows me as the Lubavitcher one and everything. Oh, wait, I forgot to say something. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was 16, I basically went to the Kinesa uh, Shlokes, which is the... Uh, um, 
the annual convention of Chabad emissaries. Right, right. Emissaries. And this was very important for me during high school before I even made any decisions. I went with my mom. Um, we went together, and this was my very first time. Uh, I had so you went all the, the Rebbe. All the, way, all the way from Israel. All the way from Israel. I had been to the Rebbe, but um, I hadn't been to the Kinnis, obviously, in this specific like group would take you into the actual banquet and you would see everything and all the videos and meet the shlichis and everything, the, the emissaries and everything, which was very special. And just being there, looking at, you know, hearing the stories and meeting all these wonderful, wonderful women and, 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 and again, really connecting to their, to their mission. I felt in my heart like this was something that I wanted to do, mm-hmm. but I just, I didn't know like how I would ever even get to that point. And something even, that you wanted to do in terms of what? Like in terms of outreach, I, in terms of really teaching? Outreach. outreach. Mm-hmm. I just really wow. wanted to, I realized that I wanted to be uh, a shlusa, like a, right? Like an emissary. I, I realized that this was something that, you know, because the, the same feeling that I had, you know, when I was at the library, I said, it, it was the same feeling I had here. It's like, you would do everything for this one Jew, for them to feel like you would be there for them and you would, you know, go out of your way to find them, even if it's just to do something, I mean, just to help them. It would be, it would be such an honor and, and, and it would make, it would make me so happy to do, to make another Jew feel the same way I felt. Um, mm. And just like, you're really not trying to get anything from that other than the, their happiness and their well-being. Um, having experienced that myself, I just felt like it, it was something that I also wanted to give. But I just, you know, I was still in high school. I was still figuring myself out. And even though all my friends already um, saw me as like the Chabad one and the Lubavitcher one, and that was definitely different already from all of my friends that uh, were a little more modern Orthodox, who I'm still friends with up until this day. They're, they're my best friend. Um, but obviously they just saw me as like, you know, I, I was already on a different level, like religiously. And so I still, for some reason, I still didn't feel like I, I was enough, you know, like I felt like I still had some way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the years, I, I, I worked on myself more and more. And then after high school, when I had to decide, this is where we stopped, and I had to decide what to do, um, I decided to go to seminary, to like a Chabad seminary, which is a four-year course, you know, learning how to be a teacher. Um mm-hmm. You get a degree at the end of the four years, but you also just throughout the way, there's all these different like um, uh, classes just teaching about Chabad like mindset and just even learning how to be a teacher through the through the eyes of the Rebbe and all of the all of the Chabad Rebbe's, all the Chabad Rabbis. And mm-hmm. so this was something that it was a really big deal because, you know, going to seminary, like it's, it's really like... Um, you know, I could decide if I wanted to do something a little bit less intense, uh, like going to like uh, Midrashah, which would be just learning, like, uh, you know, it, it would be a little bit more relaxed and more outgoing. But this was like really like intense, like uh, four years oh, of just four like, year commitment. That's a very long time. Wow. Well, I even had to wear like the dress coat and everything, which was very new to me. Like I didn't I was already dressing um, modestly, but it wasn't like I didn't have like a dress coat. Like I never had. You know, suddenly I felt like I went back to high school and I like redid my high school years, but through Chabad. So this was like a massive deal for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I even did a half a year shikhut, how do you say, like outreach. Um, outreach work. Mm-hmm. In, in China, Shanghai. 
through this very oh, wow. yeah um which was also like a very big deal for me just like figuring out you know exactly what i wanted to do if i wanted to leave israel or stay in israel made me realize that i really wanted to go out of israel when i got married and, and do this you know the same way that it was done for me um and after that i got married uh, my husband yakov he's also he also comes from a, not from a chabad family like he was religious um but he became Chabad on his own. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of very similar values and we both knew we wanted to go out on Shlichah very, very strongly. And so after I gave birth to my firstborn, Randy, um, we started looking for places. And we're talking to people and they're telling us, you know, it's so hard to find a place today. Everything's taken, like if, you know. So like, you, were, you were looking for a place to go on Shlichahs, to go to teach and to, to, and to, to do the same thing that you were done that was done to you when you were so young to to be able to give that love over to someone yeah. else to do your outreach work and you couldn't find a place um i mean we 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 hadn't been looking for that long but just our introduction to it was that taking you know a good couple of years and so we're like okay like you know like it's, it's a little scary because you know like what do you do do you start like moving forward in israel or do you wait and only look for places like it kind of puts your life of this like pause kind of thing like you don't know exactly what to do right we're obviously for those that are watching that don't understand like it's it's fascinating but so many young chabad couples want to go out on outreach work that there's it's hard to find a good location because so many places are taken right and that's what you found you know it was hard to actually find a location to to go to because it's like There's the so world many, is, but Chabad is everywhere, and so right. <laughs> so where are we gonna go, right? I was so like, it was really scary just to like, you know, there's people that take them four years to find a place, like things like that, you know, like it just, you know, we mm. wanted to go out at that point. So, um, I realized, okay, I'm just gonna write to to the Shlucha in Costa Rica, Tejana, which I had been in touch with all these years, and she knew my story, and I'm gonna ask her if she knows anymore. I didn't even ask about Costa Rica because I knew Costa Rica was not even an option. Um, they had been here for 30 years. If they didn't need 35, I'm sorry. If they didn't need a rabbi for Tamarindo until now, why would they need a rabbi now? So I'm just going to ask them if they need, if they know anyone that could need someone. And so just make a connection. And just to do networking. Sure. There was a lot of, okay, so I said, maybe she could get me in touch with someone. Um, and then she tells me, oh, we're actually just looking for someone for, for Tamarindo. You know, my husband just told no. me we needed someone. The thing was that all of these years, you know, the community here started growing um, up until the point two, two, two years ago on Hanukkah. A, a lot of the community members reached out to Rabbi Spalter and said, we really need a rabbi here and we need someone to come here. And Rabbi Spalter was he was debating because, you know, he's not going to bring a whole rabbi to a city with so little Jews. I mean, it didn't really make sense. But he said, OK, we can meet up and talk about it and, and see what we can do. So they did this like Hanukkah event meetup thing. And when Rabbi Spalter came, he thought he would meet up, you know, be a couple of Jews sitting, you know, on the table discussing. He realized that when he got to the party, it was like hundreds of people. Wow all over the place it was like a growing community and at that point he said okay you know what it's it's uh it's final we have to bring a rabbi here next year you're gonna have a rabbi and so this all happened at the same time as we're looking wow 
it was so and you called her right then like right right at the same time that they decided yes, to look yes exactly when they were looking and it was just being at the right place at the right time thank god it was uh yeah, lucky. It was a uh, divine uh, providence. Absolutely. Divine providence, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was like everything happened in that way. So we would, um, so we would get to Tamarind. Though it felt really right. It was very scary to come back because uh, I just thought I had like closed that chapter in my life. But I realized, okay, maybe I should have had other plans. Maybe this this whole thing happens. Like I would have come back to Tamarindo. I grew up going to Tamarindo on vacation, and it was like my favorite go to place, like the nicest beaches, just like. I loved being here. Uh, so coming back was honestly very exciting for me. We came back for Tishrei for the high holidays last year for the first time. Um, you know, we had the first minion here on Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur and Sukkot. Just everything we did was the first time. So we brought a, a Torah scroll with us. It was the first time it was a Torah scroll in Tamarindo. It's like, it was very, very exciting and powerful and like... Um, we felt like we were doing something so, so special. And I mean, my husband and I realized, you know, getting to know everyone, the whole community, the kids, you know, very, very uh, close with them. We decided that we wanted to stay. Mm. We were going to open a Chabad house here. Um, and so we had... Did it bring back a lot of memories from your childhood when you moved it back It definitely there? did. I, like, I couldn't go you know, just one street without recording everything. I'm <laughs> like, do you remember the store? And like, wait, they closed this one place and like, whatever. And like, I knew my way around. The funniest thing is in San Jose. It's like, I didn't even forget. Like, our ways wasn't working because we didn't have the, 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 the sim. And so I was telling my, my husband, just go right here and then make a left. And I was getting pleased. Yeah. Like, I left as a teenager. I remembered everything. It was so fun. Wow. It brought wow. back so many memories and it felt but you I left mean, as also, a teenager and you came back so different. So that's right. also interesting. No, I came yeah. out a completely wow. different person, but okay. but I remembered everything and the language and everything. I mean, it's for me, it's like coming back home. And my husband also feels that way because obviously, you know, being here, having me here just makes things easier sure. for him in a way. He hadn't had to learn for Spanish sure. yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> doing all wow. the talking. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's so, funny. Yeah, so... Uh, Oh, he's learning now. He's going, you know, Spanish. Um, right. But anyways, then. Uh, um, but it was also far that you were going from home, from what was, was now your home in Israel. That was the only thing I think that was stopping us from, you know, making the decision to actually move here was the distance. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. it's a literal, like, you don't have a straight flight from Tamarindo to Israel. So it's either... It's either taking a, a a flight from Liberia, which is an hour and a half away from us, the airport, or from San Jose, which is four hours. And mm -hmm. then, you know, it's always going to be like the 20-something hour flight with a stop right. in the middle. I mean, we've wow. been, we've, we've done this journey for as long as like 30 plus hours, you know, of just with two wow. kids, you know, going from from, from airplane to sure. airplane to airport to whatever, it's crazy. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, and and the time difference is also like you know, there's only like a few times a day that I could actually catch my parents and speak to them. Um, sure. And being someone that's very, you know, my family, I come from a very small family. Like, um, I have my brother, and then my my mother gave birth to another two girls, so we're only four siblings. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, the whole family, like extended family is also not so big. So 
just being so far away from them, it, it, it really broke my heart. I felt like I was doing, I don't know, it felt, it, it, it felt a little bit scary, but my parents and especially my mom, they were so uh, supportive of this decision and they were so um, happy with what we were doing because for them, especially to see me, the one that, you know, they didn't know what was going to be with me. I mean, they had <laughs> faith in me and they knew I would do great things, but maybe I wasn't going to be so connected to my Judaism and it was definitely something that they wanted to see in my life and something that they prayed for and to see me actually not just you know being you know religious I guess but also just actually actively going out and doing something for that for other people and um, and teaching them about their Judaism was wow. very special to them and it was like come full circle for all of us Wow. So, I, I think when we spoke, you said this, this rebel teenager, you know, had become now this, yeah. <laughs> they looked at you as this rebel who now right. they always had a good relationship with you, but you were the rebel in a sense who just, yeah, became was a rebel. Now, who now became the Rebbitson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, every time I speak about it with my parents, you know, my dad was just telling me last week, like, you know, we would just pray like, you know, being sitting down for for Shabbos meal and you know you're in your room you're not coming downstairs because you just don't feel like it we're not going to force you so you know your mom and I how we would just pray to Hashem that you know that you should have a good and healthy relationship with your Judaism with your with your history and that you should see it through our eyes and see how wonderful and beautiful and how much we're gaining from it on on the you know on a personal level and how it could be a part of life and, and you know you could so to have me, you know, do this, it was very special for, to, you know, for them. It's also their, you know, legacy and their. Absolutely. For sure. Right. Their nachas, their joy and, pl- and, and pleasure in life. Right. Wow. So it, it sounds like everything worked out beautifully. You went full, full circle. You, you now are in, t- in, in your hometown or in, a, in your home vacation town and you're <laughs> shluchim there. Yeah, but then, but then you had a turn. That there was a difficulty that came on the horizon. Tell right. us about that. So, um, so the thing was, I thought this was the end of it. I would go back home, and we're already this lucky to Tamarindo. Like everybody knows, we're moving to Tamarindo. Uh, my parents, you know, they gave us a blessing, obviously, and it was so exciting. My husband's parents, of course, uh, they're not bad, but they were also very excited about it. Um, and so we go back home and we're sure that we're, what we're going to have to deal with now is just packing our stuff and getting to Tamarindo as soon as possible. Um, but then out of nowhere, my mom, uh, when, when I come back, I realized that she just was acting very different and she was very, very weak. And um, it made me it made me very scared, obviously, because she... She's such a strong woman. She had always been so strong. She had always, you know, she, she was my inspiration. I told you, like, if, if I had to do an interview about her and talk about her, it, it would just never end. There's so much to say about that woman. She she was really the one that pushed me into doing this. And she was the one that, you know, was my inspiration to, to even go to Tamarind in the first place. So, um, so when I came back home, she told me that she had undergone a medical procedure um she didn't want to scare me but it ended up being that she she had cancer and they had found out while we were on schlichis mm-hmm. which was i i felt like i felt like god had like done a prank on me or something because if i had found out that my mother my only mother you know was 
sick. Even a month before I went out of Slifas, I don't think I would have ever gone, you know, to Camarindo in the first place. It was like, it was so obvious to me that I would have to stay and take care of my family, you know, also as the, the, the oldest one. Um, and so I, I didn't know what to do. I freaked out. I, I, I was in a, in a position which I didn't know what my next step would be. Um, but the doctors were super chilled about it. They said it's nothing. They said that there's like a 93% chance that you'll get out of it. Such an easy kind of cancer. You know, it's nothing to worry about. Um, and because my mom was healthy, they said it was an even 97% chance. Like there was nothing, nothing to, to even worry about. Um, but just it's just so hard to talk about it. I can't believe I'm even saying that on camera. Um, we stayed for for four months until she basically finished her treatment and she was fine. I was pregnant with my with my second uh, son, and you know when we knew she was fine. And after the doctor said that it was absolutely nothing, and it was like you know a joke. They made it seem as it was really, really like like Very getting, treatable. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. like curable, totally normal. You know, nothing. And your mom's healthy. You know, it's totally fine. And only then I decided, okay, so I guess I guess we're gonna go back. We went back. Uh, we were preparing to give birth. We didn't know where. Should I go back to Israel? Should I stay? Uh, my mom said that she would come to Tamarindo to 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 be with me during my my birth uh, because my first one was very hard. So she really wanted to be there with me, um, and it was so exciting. I told everyone about it. I you know my mom's gonna come. She's gonna be here with us. Um, for me, it was also like, you know, to show her around everything that, you know, we grew up with. And, um, of course, but then as we're getting closer to the, to the actual, uh, due date, she started feeling worse. Um, a month before she had to come, she had this like, um, checkup that she needed. And they basically found out that it, it had, it had grown. Um, the cancer had grown and had come back and, um, the treatment didn't work basically. And so at this point, you know, she's trying to convince me that, well, don't worry, I'm going to start the treatment now and then I'll fly in for a week to be with you and then I'll come back. I mean, she never really like, she was always like, so like, I don't Positive. know, and like confident, like she made it seem like it optimistic. was like, optimistic. And I, I told her, listen, email, like, it's fine. I'm, I'm going to get first. I'll be okay. And, and I'll come, I'll come to Israel right away. Uh, so that's what we did. I mean, I gave birth. Thank God, uh, Hannah Spalter, the shlucha, she came with me. She was so sweet. We're like family now. She, we stayed by them for a month. And then, yeah, they were so sweet. They took care of us during this hard time. And then, and then I basically flew into Israel. Uh, this flight happened to be um, the last time I saw my mother. I didn't know at the time. But when we were there, I realized that it was really, really much worse than I could have ever seen through the screens and... She was suffering a lot, um, so we had to do a lot when we got there. I, I say that we, it was like as if we had gone from one child to four children in, you know, a month, because I took care of my little sisters, and <clears throat> and I just took care of my mom, and, and I was with the family, and it, it was like, I, I barely saw any people on that trip. All I did, all I ever did was just be with my family, and, um, and, and then, um, I'm sorry, it's like hard for me to speak about this, but of course, it's, um, of course. It's just crazy. I can't even believe like I'm even, you know. Wow, talking okay. about it. Sure. 
just before we left, she had this final, um, uh, how do you say, like a checkup? Like a, a checkup? Yes, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, she had finished her, her, her treatment. And what we found out is that, you know, it just got worse. It spread. It was very aggressive. And the doctors pretty much said there was nothing to do at this point. And so my mom didn't give up. She said she would do a different treatment, you know, like something, you know, more natural maybe. But I just didn't know what to do. You know, I'm not going to go back to Costa Rica and leave my mom like this. Um, And my little sisters and my small family, you know, and my husband obviously supportive. And he also feels very, very connected to my family. So he would never, we never would have wanted them, wanted to leave them, you know. Especially at this point, I mean, it didn't make sense for me to go back to Costa Rica having all of these things happening in my personal life. But <clears throat> my mother, who was so strong and courageous, and she had such big faith in Hashem, she said to me, "You, you cannot stay." <laughs> I was the biggest help for her. Say so we were the closest, we were best friends. So she told me, "I'm sorry, but I, I don't want you to like. You have to go back. You have wow. to go back because this is like." You don't understand how important this is to me. Like, this is also part of my story, a part of my life. Like, this is not just you doing this for yourself. This has nothing to do with you. This is also my, this is my pride. This is my, seeing you do all of this and how you're helping people and how you're, you know, how you're there for people. You're trying to grow a community and you're trying to um, make Judaism accessible in Tamarindo, the place where, like, you used to go as a little girl when you didn't know anything this whole thing is, is so important to me. You have to go back. She was crying. She was begging me to go back. I wow. said, you know, if I, if I want to make her happy, I have to go back, even though I didn't know what the next time I would see her would be. And so this was right before the high holidays. So this is a year after this whole thing had even started. Came back. We did the high holidays. They were amazing. But thank God it was amazing. And then the war began. And it just like we didn't know exactly what to do. We stayed because we have so many Israeli families here. We wanted to strengthen the community. We wanted them to know that, you know, we're together. And also just with all the anti-Semitic, you know, rates going up throughout the whole world, we just felt like it was like, you know, the best if we just stayed and and stayed with our community um, and did our best to just grow even more and expand even more and get us even closer together. But at the same time, my mom was getting worse and worse and worse. Mm. Um, at some point, my husband had gone to the to the emissaries conference for men. He was in New York. I was here alone, and my father said that they didn't know where it was going to go. Or the, you know, she she was suffering too much. She was. Mother, he didn't know what was happening with your mother. He, he, your mo- he was telling you about your mother. Well, my mother. She was barely eating. Uh, she was barely functioning. She was, and it's and I say this with so, with so much pain. It's the same mother that literally would never even sit down for a second. Like she was super active. She was a sports teacher. She was a, a, a you know a health like activist. She was like everything, and she she never stopped for one second. You know, having her suffer so much. He said, "What's the what's the fat?" My husband came back from from the kinnis. He's and and my dad just said, "What's the fastest you can get here?" Because we don't know how much longer it's going to take. Wow. We took a taxi to San Jose because that was the only flight we could find was from San Jose. On the way there, I found out my mom had passed away. 
And so sorry. basically I would be landing to her, um, Leviah to her, uh, funeral, funeral. And it was just 30 hours of pain and suffering and just disbelief. And I don't know, just, I, I had no, I landed and after, you know, you just after such a long journey and, and everything just feels so confusing. I never even got to say goodbye to her. I was so upset and so angry. Um, I can imagine. I just felt like, why am I even doing this? You know? Why am I even For doing sure. this whole thing just didn't make sense. Like I could have just been this whole year next to my mother. I wasn't even Of course. And then at the funeral because this was a huge funeral, so many people that my mom touched and and was in touch with, and they all came. And I had people that I I've never even met in my life come up to me and say, "You're you're Yehudit's daughter. Like you don't understand how proud she was of you. You don't understand how much your shlichus just made her happy and 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 fulfilled. And she would never stop talking about it. Basically, it was something oh. that you just have to continue because this is. This is this is what she taught you. This is what she wanted you to do. And this is through this stuff is you're basically continuing her light in the world. This is your way of, of keeping your mother alive in, in this world. And it was like nobody, you know, it was as if people were reading my mind in a way. Like everybody could tell that it would have been a very, it would have made sense for me to stay, right? I mean, I have two little sisters that are like my daughters. They... You know, they see me as their mother. Their mother just passed away. They're tiny. They're six and three years old. I mean, our family's tiny anyways. I didn't want to leave my father alone with all the, you know, everything that has to be done. But my father also said to me the same thing. He said, you don't have to worry about anything. Your mom and I are the proudest, you know, we've ever been. And this makes us the happiest. This is also good for our whole family. We want the rest of, the, of your siblings to also go. <coughs> Excuse me. To also go on the same path, and so you should continue doing this. You have our blessing, and the and it, you know we're, we're we're gonna come see you, and you know it doesn't make a difference. You know it's uh, wow, it's, incredible. It's still your journey. It's still what you have to do in your life, and so that after a month of being in Israel and really strengthening ourselves, and then getting back in track, we realized that really this was exactly what the rabbit wanted on me, um, of us. And this whole thing, the way it turned out, was actually perfect. Because, um, yes, if I had found out just a month before we went out on Slichas that my mom was sick, I wouldn't even have gone out on Slichas. So just the whole way it happened. Um, maybe if my mom had passed away before I went out on Slichas, you know, like, then, then I would have definitely never even thought about leaving my family. Um, this whole thing just happened so that I would, like, realize and come to terms that with the fact that, you know, I'm here and this is my, this is my, this is my choice. This is my calling. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, this is, this is what I want my children and my family, my siblings to, 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 to learn too, that we're here to give. Um, this is what my mother would have wanted that, that I would continue giving and, and, um, you know, being in a place of, of, of being grateful and thankful for what you got and also giving back. It's like, that's exactly what I feel right now. I feel like, you know, I'm in the exact place where I, you know, 10, 12, I don't even know how many years ago, 
I myself had no idea like what I was doing, like in terms of like Judaism and where my life, where my, where my eyes were enlightened and where my life was like changed completely. And, uh, this is the place and that's what I'm doing right now. That's why I'm back in here so that I can find, you know, all of the Jews in here and, and, and show them that, you know, I'll, I'll be here for you. And it's not, it doesn't even have to do only with like Judaism. This is also just feeling like someone would leave their own comfort zone to come look for you and help you because we're like family. And I just want you to know that the same way you would, you wouldn't, you know, be scared to knock on your parents' door and just like walk in. You know, I want people to feel the same way here. Like if you have a problem or if you want to talk to someone, like that's what we are here for. Or so our community, which is just growing, you know, and, and, and um, that's what I always say to them, that this is what this place is all about. And so I'm very happy that I stayed. I'm happy wow. for my mother, for the rabbi, for Hashem. Um, and I'm sure your mother is looking down at you from heaven and is so proud of you because you're doing such wonderful work and you're such an inspiration. So thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being there. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me and letting me um, speak about really, the whole story. <laughs> really, really incredible. Are are your do you have any thoughts for the future? What your what your dreams are for the the next little while? Um, yes. So we're constantly just trying to uh do more and grow and expand. Um we started out in this very, very tiny apartment, um, which barely fit our family in like our bedroom was actually our storage room like there was a point I couldn't even walk into my bedroom I was like stepping on boxes because it was like so many things like when you have a Chabad house you know most of the things that you have are not even yours they're for your slichens they're for your community for so we just now moved into thank god into this big house with a big big backyard um we were actually like if we wanted to do an event for a hundred people give or take um we would have to we would have to rent a venue for uh 2k a night you know with nothing included just the venue and it's like it made no sense i mean we, we're not getting any funds from anyone everything we have is from donations and so we're like what are we gonna do so when we found this place we knew it was perfect like it's, it's probably the only place in tamarindo with a backyard <laughs> and wow. i don't know why they don't have any like normal houses here but so we have this very, very big uh, area, which we were all used for events. Um, we started doing more shiurim because our community is just begging to have more um, classes. Uh, we, we started a, a group for, for men. My husband does every, every Tuesday. Um, and then on Mondays, we have a mixed group, uh, men and women. And we learn Tanya, both no, my husband actually, I don't know if he teaches Tanya. We teach Tanya in the mixed one. And then the, the one that my husband does is just like uh, the weekly portion and things like that. Uh, we have the Shabbos here with tourists coming in every single Shabbos and community as well. And it's really fun and love it. Um, just love having a lot of people over. I grew up also, you know, once my parents started doing Shabbat, they also started bringing so many people over on Shabbat. I don't know what doing Shabbat alone feels like. I just... Wow. Love having wow. community over. And obviously the holidays, we're starting a Hebrew school. I mean, I, I could go on all day. It's pretty much just starting a community with everything that comes sure. with it because you, we really didn't have anything here. The first store, tourist scroll we brought here, um, the shul is our home, you know? It's not, 
everything that you could imagine when you start a community like that's what we're doing right now here and there's so many people here so many tourists coming in every single day and so that's why our fundraiser actually has uh you know the funds to to do all of this because we can't do it on our own this is absolutely wow Wow, Nomi, you're an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And, and you, all you, this story and the inspiration that it gives to people and the work that you're doing there should really be a merit for your mother in the, in, in the world that she's in now. And I'm sure she's just looking down at you and seeing such, such beauty in all that you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you for sharing your beautiful story. Thank, thank you for having me. Wow, what an incredible and inspiring interview with Nicole Naomi Rubenstein. Uh, just so many parts to it that just hit you and that just send chills down your back and, and just the way that divine providence moves and works and creates a situation where she came full circle in her life, where she found her meaning, her purpose as a Chabad Shlucha, something that she wasn't that way when in, in her youth and how she just came full circle. But then the, the turn in her life of her mother's passing, the tragedy, the, the difficulty and the, the challenge that she had in, in leaving her and, and going back. But what, what hits you also is the strength and the courage and the idealism and the determination of her incredible mother. I mean, just imagine, just imagining it, how her mother just kept encouraging her to go back and to do this and how this was really a legacy, not only for her, but also for her mother and how this meant so much to her mother and her father, both her parents in just appreciating the beautiful work that she was doing and encouraging her even in that difficult time to go back and to continue doing it. And that was really so inspiring to hear about. Um, when we choose things in life, there are times that it's difficult to choose what we're choosing. And it always comes with upsides and downsides. And it's, it's, it's sometimes a hard choice to make, but she knew that she was making that choice with her family's um, not only approval, but their, their cheerleading of the important work that she was continuing to do. So we wish Nomi Rubenstein, Nomi Nicole Rubenstein only comfort for her and her family and to continue doing the amazing things that she's doing. If you enjoyed watching this podcast and you'd like to view other podcasts, you can find us on Chabad.org forward slash extraordinary. Please make sure you're subscribed so that you can get these podcast, these interviews straight to your inbox and that you'll be told as soon as they come out um, that the new one has dropped. Also, please try to leave us some feedback. We love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, what you thought. We, we really enjoy seeing them. Thank you again for watching. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Stories. <laughs>